I'm Emily Elaine, and you're listening to the second episode of Ninth Draft. In this episode, we discover how character, plot, and theme facilitate story, and how understanding the logic behind this literary functionality will empower you to weave a masterpiece. Before we dive in, let's warm up with a chat. I'm at a peculiar point in my own writing journey. Everyone has experienced some level of writer's block, whatever that may mean to you, but that is not my current dilemma. I'm having a difficult time doing anything but writing. I woke up at 3 a.m. a couple of days ago upon dreaming how I should rework a scene. Side note, I'm currently reworking the ninth and final draft of my cyberpunk science fiction novel, The Born Weapons. So I woke up and I could not go back to sleep no matter the hour until I finished rewriting that scene. At that point, I think it was about 11 in the morning. It's becoming pervasive. Those of you struggling with writer's block probably hate me right now, and I don't blame you. But honestly, I just want a good night's sleep. I want to pursue my other goals like podcasting as well. But my imagination has no mercy. She doesn't give a flying care about balance. If she had it her way, I'd be a skeleton of a person hunched over on my smoking keyboard all hours of every day. Anyway, I think I'll get all my other work out of the way and take a couple of days off to write and revise my heart out. Call it a creative detox. But enough about me. In more exciting news, I'll be giving a shout out to a writer I admire every week. This week's shout out goes to a lovely lady by the name of Suzanne Crane Miller. I recently read one of her short stories. It was a biopunk spin on vampires and I was utterly engrossed. It had me hooked immediately and had me wishing it was an entire book. Hint, hint, Suzanne. I highly suggest you take a moment to check out her work. She's known to the Twitterverse as Tattooed Daughter, and she has a website. I put her links in the episode description, so help go help yourself to one of her stories after the show. Okay, now it's party time. Let's unwrap this episode. Last week, we discovered that story is the key essential in the cognitive evolution of humankind. As one of my favorite authors, Lisa Cron, who is a literary agent, TV producer, and creative writing professor at UCLA puts it this way, opposable thumbs let us hang on. Story told us what to hang on to. Story is how we humans learn vicariously through each other. They started out as survival tactics. A smart caveman would tell his son the gruesome story of a man who was eaten by a saber-toothed tiger instead of blandly ordering him not to go near that cave. We also discovered that the purpose of story evolved from teaching us how to survive to how to navigate our lives, especially the social plane. Now, fiction explores the boundless reaches within the human mind. Now, it quenches our constant thirst to understand each other and ourselves. Since stories were initially a survival tactic, our brains reward us for reading them with bursts of dopamine. Recall that moment when you first read Harry Potter, and how you came to the part when Hagrid tells Harry, you're a wizard, Harry. Recall the smile that crept across your face. You'd been waiting for that poor, knobby-kneed boy to learn that there was a life for him beyond the spider-infested cubby beneath the stairs. Your smile derived from a burst of dopamine. Your brain was cheering you on, saying, yes, read. Experience and learn vicariously how to cope with learning your true identity and getting to pursue a new dream. Since readers are driven by this powerful neurological need to experience and learn vicariously through the protagonist, story itself is defined as the following. 
A story is how a person changes due to what happens to them in pursuit of a lofty goal. Let's break down the four elements embedded in this description. The person is the protagonist. What happens to them is the plot. The lofty story goal is the story question, and what the protagonist learns on their journey that facilitates their change of heart and mind, aka the story, is the theme. Now, I need a little help exemplifying these functions and how they facilitate stories, so I enlisted my childhood best friend, Simba. Yes, I'll be continually referencing The Lion King today because it's story gold and because odds are most of you have seen it. And if you haven't, well, I can't help you. Goodness, show yourself a little love. Toss a bag of popcorn in the microwave and end your ongoing self-deprivation already. I'm not sorry. Jumping back on track. Let's start with plot. Plot is what happens to affect your protagonist while they pursue their goal. Chances are, most of us can list the primary events of the Lion King. Simba is born, rendering Scar jealous. Scar kills Simba's father, our forever cherished King Mufasa, Simba runs away, you know the rest. If you were an adult when you first watched it, you likely pondered back on the movie thinking, wow, that was well written, the characters were so lovable, and the plot was seamless. You, my friend, were correct. But the plot was not created seamless on its own accord. A plot without story is a ladder without vertical sides, just a jumbled pile of steps with no purpose. The story of Lion King is Simba's change of heart from an arrogant young prince, then a carefree jungle hippie who abandons his home and family in an attempt to escape his guilt and grief over the loss of his father, to a noble king who fights to save his home and family. Try to imagine Lion King without Simba's change. Imagine he remained the same arrogant little prince even after his father died. I speculate he wouldn't run away. He'd keep singing about how he can't wait to be king, and Scar would probably find another way to kill him. Who knows, maybe if Scar witnessed how his apparently antisocial nephew was utterly unaffected by his father's death, he'd admire him for his like mind, and the Pride Lands would be utterly doomed. That sounds more like the start of a Criminal Minds episode than a fully fleshed movie. This exercise exemplifies how plot within itself does not make a story. It is story itself, the change within the protagonist, that guides the plot work. Likewise, there can be no story if there are no events for the protagonist to experience and therefore change by. You would not read 300 pages of a narrative depicting a person's internal dialogue on how they plan to change with the new year, would you? No! The protagonist must change with experience, which is the plot work. With this being said, please be wary of plot-led stories. It is a common misconception that if you spend hours upon hours designing a foolproof outline, then your book will have to become a masterpiece. After all, you planned it down to the last detail. I'm not saying that plotting or outlining is bad practice. In fact, I highly encourage you to outline. But you cannot develop your plot work until you understand your story. Since the story is how your protagonist changes, it is imperative that you understand the mechanics behind how your protagonist and the plot are bound. I've said this before, and I'll say it a million more times, a story is how a person changes due to what happens to them in pursuit of a lofty goal. The person is the protagonist, what happens is the plot, and the lofty goal is the story question. 
This glorious story question is the bond between the protagonist and the plot. It is your character's goal and that question that constantly nips at your reader's mind. Like, will Simba return home and take his rightful place as king? Will Frodo be able to destroy the ring and save Middle-earth? Will Katniss survive the Hunger Games and go home to her little sister? Need I go on? The story question is the protagonist's challenge. It is the problem they'd do anything to escape or solve. Of course, we can't let them escape it or solve it, not until they've changed from it and we have a fully fleshed story worthy of a golden stamp on our hands. If the plot is the external catalyst for your character's change, then theme is the internal catalyst. It is the lesson that your protagonist learns that facilitates their change of heart and mind. Are you ready to tear up? Because I'm about to reference a Mufasa scene. After Simba is reunited with Nala and he learns that his home, his family, has fallen to ruins at the hands of his uncle, he is faced with the choice, keep living his carefree life, avoiding his past and responsibilities, or return home, face his past, and save his home and family. At first, Simba rejects Nala's plea for him to return home and take his rightful place as king. But then, in a heart-wrenching scene, Mufasa comes to him as a vision and tells him, you have forgotten who you are, and so you have forgotten me. Simba has an epiphany that he has a responsibility to his beloved home and family. Therefore, with an ounce of unconscious reasoning, we assume the theme to be that we all have a responsibility to care for what and who we love. Now, the theme is never outright stated. The most blatant thematic piece of dialogue happens when Timon is criticizing the dead Pride Lands and Simba says, it's my home. If I don't fight for it, who will? Even so, this is not an obvious iteration of the theme. Theme, if it is functioning properly within the story, never needs to be stated outright. Nothing will make me put a book down faster than being hit over the head with a blaring thematic statement. Readers don't want to be told, they want to experience and therefore learn via the protagonist. This relates back to my ridiculous caveman example. Don't tell the reader not to go near the cave. Have them experience the gruesome death of the saber-toothed tiger's victim by narrating the victim's story. We are social creatures. We learn vicariously through each other, not by statements. This brings us to perhaps the most freeing bit of story truth on the educational market. This truth is the reason my imagination keeps waking me up at 3 a.m., demanding that I finish that one scene, and then maybe read over the next one too. Since story is how your protagonist changes, their experience is the evolution of that change. And as a writer or reader, this vicarious experience is intoxicating. Our brains are wired to empathize with the beloved main character. We see what they see, feel what they feel, want what they want, and learn what they learn. It's why you, a full-grown, dignified adult, well up with tears every time you watch Simba curl up beneath Mufasa's limp paw and cry. It's why you can't peel your eyes from the screen when Simba climbs Pride Rock in the pouring rain to finally take his rightful place as king. In the end, it's our capacity for empathy that facilitates story. Speaking of being social creatures, some of my friends and I are building an online community for writers where you can form genuine connections in the writing community. 
If you're interested in joining, you can sign up at ninthdraft.club. I put the link in the episode description. I highly encourage you to join. Second to understanding story, I believe making genuine friends in the writing community is the most important step in building a successful career as a writer. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please review, comment if you'd like. I will absolutely read it. And I hope you have a productive and passion-filled week. Join me next Monday for episode three. Bye.